living Lord Jesus Christ. You are victor. You are king. You are the first fruits of them that sleep. You hold the keys of death and Hades. And Lord Jesus, you are coming again. First to rapture out your bride, and then seven years later to establish your kingdom on David's throne in Jerusalem. Risen and living Lord Jesus, you are our savior, our only hope for time and for eternity. And as we bow in your exalted presence with joy, we would contemplate any ways that we may have grieved your heart this past week, any things that we have not acknowledged to you already as being sin. And in the quietness and the personal nature of our confession, in silence we would confess unconfessed sin to you now, Lord Jesus. For these sins, Christ has died. And the Father has raised Christ from the dead to evidence that Christ's full payment for sin has covered these and every other sin. Thank you. Thank you, risen Savior. We thank you for answered prayer as a congregation. We think of uh, Wang Jiang in Myanmar who had successful brain surgery. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Luke Burroughs' successful shoulder surgery. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anticipation of beginning a new contemporary worship service next Lord's Day at 8 o'clock. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible body of Christ, Calvary Bible Church. Thank you for our unity. Thank you for our love. Thank you for our commitment to each other, commitment to the Word of God, and commitment to Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Lord, we thank you today for the true Word of God, the Scriptures, the sustaining Word of God, the Bible, the final authority for life and practice, your holy word. Lord, we lift you certain individuals and needs before you. We lift you the bereaved, those who have said goodbye to their loved ones to death in the last year. Tender times, precious times, times of learning to lean on you. We especially pray for Clara Stewart, most recently bereaved, in the passing of her youngest brother, Charles Bain. Fortify Clara there with her family on the family island. We pray, Heavenly Father, for our sick. You know each one in each situation. But especially we pray this morning for Agatha Williams' father on Andros, Thomas, who may have suffered a stroke. We pray you'd minister to Thomas and get him the help that he needs. We pray for our shut-ins, Lord. We thank you that they are not shut away from you. May they sense your resurrected presence by the person of the Holy Spirit this day and help us to remember them in prayer and love and visits and phone calls. Lord, we thank you for the radio ministry of this local assembly, Echoes of Calvary, and we pray that the listenership would grow to the end that Jesus Christ would be much made of on New Providence, on the family islands, and in southern Florida. Lord God, we pray for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that your chosen and promised people would find favor. We pray for Prime Minister Netanyahu and his Knesset, that they would take to heart your word. And we thank you that Jimmy DeYoung could report that the Prime Minister and his wife are involved in a Bible study every week. We pray they'd find Yeshua Messiah in those scriptures. Lord, for Bahamas, we lift to you our land. Lord, we pray that the disunity and the violence and the disrespect for the law and human life would cease, 
that our countrymen would confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and would repent of sin, and that we would be a land of peace again, a land of promise, a land of kindness, a land of agape love. Only you can do this, Lord Jesus. Revive your church. Revive your believers. Start with this man in the pulpit. Start with my brothers and sisters in the pews. Oh, God, may there be a mighty moving of the Spirit of God in the Bahamas to the honor and praise and glory of the risen Christ. Lord, we pray for the lost. Some are in today's service, no doubt. Apart from you, estranged from you by sin and rebellion, Lord, help these to see your love today and your risen power to transform them, to make them brand new, to forgive them of their sins and to reserve a home in heaven for them one day. And then, Lord, for the lost that are outside of our congregation this morning, in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our family gatherings, Lord, help us to let down our nets for a catch, to lovingly, incredibly, and consistently, and authentically, and dependently upon the Holy Spirit to share our faith and to invite the lost to trust Christ. Last, Lord, today we pray for the persecuted church. This is a happy time for us who know the freedom from persecution. We know, Lord, it's a joyous time for our brothers and sisters who are dying for their faith. We pray that you provide ways of escape for them in accordance with your will, relief, reunion with their loved ones. We pray, Lord, that you would thwart the enemy's attacks and that those that would do evil to them and harm to them would be uh, stopped according to your power and might. Lord, as we come to your word now, four reports of the resurrection of Jesus Christ stir us. May it not be business as usual. May your living truth penetrate our hearts, feed our souls, and shape our goals, objectives, and destinies. And we pray these things in Jesus, the risen one's name, and God's people said, amen. Always so precious to pray with you, my church family. He is risen. If we can do better, He is risen. Oh, that's good. And because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, we have joy. We have a Lord, we have a Savior, we have a champion. We have victory over sin and grave and Satan. We know that our sins are forgiven. We're sure that we'll live again after our death. Sin and death and Satan are all defeated foes. We know what our resurrection bodies will look like. We will see and we will be recognized and we will recognize our loved ones who've gone ahead in faith to heaven. Because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, we have an advocate at the Father's right hand, one who intercedes for us, prays for us. Because Christ is risen, God and not Satan has the last word. We see God keeping all of his prophetic promises. Because Christ is risen, he will return any time now for his bride, the church. And then seven years later, he will descend to the Mount of Olives, establish his righteous rule and kingdom on earth for a thousand years with Satan bound in a pit. Because we have a risen Savior, we have the power that raised him from the dead resident in our lives to live victoriously, righteously, Amen. Amen. We have hope. Hope for now. We have hope forever. 
because Christ is no longer dead and Christ never, ever will die again. Give him glory. The four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all report on the historical fact of Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. And whereas these four accounts often overlap in the details they report, also each reports slightly different details about your Savior's resurrection from the dead. None of these four reports contradicts any of the others. You might look at it this way. There was an auto accident, and there were four eyewitnesses. Each witness had a different angle on the same accident. When the police took the four witnesses' accounts of what happened, all said there was a collision between a blue truck and a red car, but the details reported by each witness emphasized different but accurate and non-contradictory details about the same accident. One witness mentioned that the blue truck was speeding. Another witness mentioned that the driver of the blue truck took off on foot after the accident and he was wearing a yellow shirt. Another witness reported that the red car was waiting to make a left turn when it was hit. And the fourth witness reported that the airbag deployed in the red car. One accident. Four different angles to report on the same accident by four different eyewitnesses. One resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, but four angles on that one resurrection. Matthew's, Mark's, Luke's, and John's. I want to show you this morning, this Resurrection Sunday, I want to show you Four angles on your Savior's bodily resurrection from the dead. Let me overview first. Matthew presents the risen Jesus Christ as king. Mark presents the risen Jesus Christ as servant. Luke presents the risen Jesus Christ as man. And John presents the risen Jesus Christ as savior. Let's take these four aspects quickly concerning the report of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So first, let's start with Matthew. If you are taking notes, Matthew presents Jesus as the risen king. Say that with me. Matthew presents Jesus as the risen king. Good. Please go with me to Matthew 28. Verse 18, this is the last chapter of Matthew's account. It's 40 days after Christ has raised from the dead, 40 days after he's been seen alive after having been dead, just before Jesus Christ ascends to his Father's right hand, from whence he will come and establish a kingdom eventually. And in Matthew 28, notice the kingship of Jesus Christ as presented in the Great Commission. I'm reading Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority 
has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the great commission that no church should get into the position of having as a great omission. It is Christ's great commission to the church and to this assembly as a localized expression of the church. It's so much power and so much detail in what Jesus said, his last words before going back to heaven, last words that we ought to give first priority. But let me just point out quickly that Jesus Christ's great commission after resurrecting from the dead as king was one job for the church, make disciples. One job for this church, make disciples. Three ways to go about doing that. Three ways to make disciples. Going, baptizing, and teaching. The one thing Jesus Christ as King wants us to do is to make disciples. He's told us three ways to do it. Go to them, baptize them, and teach them. But what I really want to focus in on in this great commission passage is verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Kings have authority. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead as the king, and he has authority. The risen from the dead king, Jesus, has authority which has been given him by his father. And one day, one great day, one magnificent day, one red-letter day, the risen Lord Jesus Christ will return to earth with authority as king, and he will rule with an iron scepter. He will suppress evil. As God's will is done in heaven, God's will will then be done on earth. The risen Lord Jesus Christ, the King, one day will return to earth with kingly authority, and he will rule a literal thousand-year kingdom of God on earth. I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that. We move on from resurrected Jesus being king to maybe a paradox, maybe an opposite, maybe something in our puny little minds that seems contradictory. Jesus Christ as servant. King? Servant? A risen king? A risen servant? A king who serves? Yes, a servant king. Mark, the gospel writer Mark, presents Jesus as the risen servant. Say it with me. Mark presents Jesus as the risen servant. Again, Mark presents Jesus as the risen servant. If you go with me to Mark, the last chapter, Mark chapter 16, please. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark chapter 16. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Jesus has been crucified. His body has been buried. 
in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, verse 2. And very early at the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. And they went out and fled the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, after he had risen on the first, early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And he went and reported, she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. And after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along their way to the country. Mark presents the risen Jesus as servant. And of all the things which Jesus could first have done after rising from the dead, of all the things he possibly could have done after rising from the dead, he did something very surprising. He appeared to two men who were walking on a lonely road far from Jerusalem, an ordinary country road. This was because the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead and continued to be a servant. He continued to be a servant. Remember, he was a servant before his cross, and he was a servant while on his cross, and he was a servant risen from the dead after his cross. If you look at the next gospel writer, Luke, Dr. Luke's inspired details of that particular walk on that particular road, on that particular day with those particular men, you will see the servant heart, the servant heart of the alive from the dead Savior. If you go with me to Luke 24, Luke 24, I want to read a few verses here the account of these ordinary men in an obscure situation, discouraged, confused, perplexed, and the risen Christ as servant met their needs, came to them when they weren't going to him, came to, the, came to them and helped them understand with clarity his resurrection from the dead because Jesus Christ, as presented by Mark, is the risen servant. Luke 24, 13 through 27, hear the word of God. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these things that you're exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? May I interject? Isn't that ironic? How ironic is that? You're the only one around here who's clueless? No, I'm the only one around here who's Christ. How ironic is that? 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, and in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body and came saying that he had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Amazing. (laughs) How amazing is that? The freshly, newly resurrected Jesus Christ took time to serve two guys in the middle of nowhere by teaching them the greatest theology lecture ever given. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and the scriptures. You do know that every Bible book of the 66 books centers in Jesus. Jesus Christ is seen in every book from Genesis to Revelation. And there on that dusty, deserted, lonely, obscure road, two ordinary guys got the greatest theological lecture ever given. Amazing. Jesus taught them an Old Testament survey of how each of the books of the Old Testament center in Christ's person, center in Christ's work. Fantastic. Astounding servitude. Mark presents Jesus as the risen servant. In verse 32, check out the reaction of these two ordinary fellows after the theology lecture was over. Look at Luke 24, verse 32. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning That's good heartburn, church. (laughs) Don't get the Rolaids. That's good heartburn. We're not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us. Please know this resurrection, Lord's Day. Please know that your risen Lord Jesus Christ is a loving servant. Now, from Mark, let's move on to the Gospel of Luke. Luke presents Jesus as the risen man. Say that with me. Luke presents Jesus as the risen man. Say it again, please. 
Luke presents Jesus as the risen man. I'm going to keep you in Luke 24 where we were a moment ago, and I want your eye in Luke 24 to go down to verse 36 all the way through 43. Luke is presenting Jesus, the risen Christ, as risen man. I see this in verse 36 and following. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled, frightened, and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself touch and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy, isn't that interesting? They could not believe it for joy. And were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Have you anything here to eat? Amazing. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. See, you see, fish for Easter is biblical, Bahamians. (laughs) And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it before them. Why did he take it? Why did he eat it? Why did he eat it before them? Ah, because alive from the dead, Jesus was alive in his humanity as well. Alive from the dead, Jesus Christ ate food. Ghosts don't eat food. Spirits don't eat food. Not even God the Father eats food. Not even God the Father eats food. But God, the God-man, risen from the dead, ate food. And his resurrected body is the prototype of your resurrected bodies. His risen body is the first fruits of all who sleep in death. So Luke presents Jesus as the risen man. So let's recap. Matthew, the risen Christ is king. Mark, the risen Christ is servant. Luke, the risen Christ is man. What about the fourth report of Jesus' resurrection from the dead? What about John's report? What about the gospel of John? Well, John presents Jesus as risen Savior. Say that with me. John presents Jesus as risen Savior. Again, John presents Jesus as risen Savior. Go with me to the fourth gospel, John's gospel, chapter 21. John chapter 21. This is after Christ has risen from the dead, has been seen alive, having formerly been seen dead. And in John 21, uh, 15 to 19, is a beautiful account that ministers to me as a person who has often needed Christ's forgiveness and should minister to each of you who have often sensed the depth of your disappointment to Jesus Christ and your sin. A precious passage, John 21 
15 to 19. So when they had finished breakfast, again, the risen Christ ate. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Feed my lambs, verse 15. Shepherd my sheep, verse 16. Tend my sheep, verse 17. We can be sure that after Peter denied even knowing Jesus Christ three times, Peter must have wondered if Christ would ever forgive him for those sins. After Peter denied being with Christ three times, Peter must have feared about his future relationship with Jesus. After Peter denied Christ three times, he must have dreaded the question, if I can ever know the grace of God. After Peter denied Jesus Christ three times, he must have been beating himself up over his failure for his Lord, his crumbling under pressure. Yes, I believe that Peter lived with that gnawing question during the times of Jesus' trials, during the times of Jesus' sentencing to death, during the time of Jesus' crucifixion, during the time of Jesus' burial, and during the first few days of Jesus Christ rising from the dead and being seen alive before Peter saw him and could talk to him, I'm sure that Peter was worried. Can I be forgiven? Can I be useful to God? Does God have a plan for my broken life? Is there hope? Can I serve this Christ I love? Will you notice with me that John is presenting Jesus as the risen Savior? And will you notice with me that Peter's gnawing questions and fearful doubts were so beautifully settled decisively answered when the risen Savior forgave him, reinstated him, and even deployed him into Christian ministry. That's your Savior, church. We all fail Christ. We all sin from time to time. But your risen Jesus Christ is your Savior, and as we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And with God, all means all. There is no sin, church, that any one of you could ever commit that God will not pardon because of what Jesus did for you. And if there was a sin that any of us could commit that was unpardonable, 
God the Father never, ever would have raised his son, our Savior, from the dead. He would have left him dead. Because if there was a sin that Jesus Christ is not prepared to forgive, then he didn't fully pay for all the sins, did he? But he did. He paid for all the sins. Every variety of sin, he he paid for all of our sins because our sinning was future to his cross, right? All of my sinning was future to his cross. So when he paid for sin on the cross, he paid for all my sin, including the sin I might commit next Tuesday. Peter's gnawing question. Peter's fearful doubt was beautifully set aside when this risen Savior forgave him, when this risen Savior reinstated him, when this risen Savior deployed him into service. Friends, only God can forgive sin. Only God can reinstate to ministry. Only God can send disciples out to minister. Only God can be Savior. And the risen Lord Jesus is God. He's God. He's Savior. And now let's let the rubber meet the road. Let's move with the cerebral to the cardiac. Let's move from our thoughts to our hearts. We've seen the what's. Now, so what's? What difference does this make? Well, several differences. This resurrection of Lord's Day, Matthew has presented Jesus as the risen king the risen king with all authority given from the Father. We must obey the king in everything. Who you marry, staying married in a tough marriage, we must obey the king. How we spend money, how we invest time, we must obey the king. We find out his orders in this book. We must obey the king. Secondly, this resurrection Lord's Day, Mark has presented Jesus as risen servant. He was the risen servant who ministered to the needs of two discouraged guys on a country road, only one of whom we know his name, Cleopas. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, and he is the risen servant. And if we are following him, we must follow his example and serve God and serve people. We cannot say that we're serving God without serving people. If we're say we serve God and don't serve people, we're deluded because the two go together. And so because Jesus Christ is the risen servant, we must follow his example and serve God by serving people. Serve God by serving people. Say, how do you do that, Pastor? You find a ministry in this church and you help. Do you have a ministry in the church you help in? Get on that. We can use help to serve people in Jesus' name. That's how we serve God. Follow Jesus' example. Serve God by serving people. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Not just the person who lives beside you, although I am talking about that person. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? You don't have a hope of serving people if you don't love them. Do you love people? I know that many of you 
serve God by serving people. I have come to learn. I'm a secret detective as your pastor. I've come to learn some of you cook meals that nobody knows about, and you take them to people who need food. I've heard that some of you take clothing out of your closets, nice clothing, and you give it to people who need clothing. I know that some of you serve people. I know some of you drive persons who can't drive anymore or who don't have a car. You drive people to the food store or you drive people to doctor's appointments. Bravo. Jesus Christ, the risen servant, is calling us, his followers, to serve God by serving people. One more thing. How fast do you go out of this building on a Lord's Day? How fast will you go out this building on Resurrection Lord's Day? What if you let the fish get a little cooler and you hung around for five minutes, not to talk, but to listen? Who am I listening to? I don't know, whoever God sends you. Just stand someplace on the campus for five minutes. Can you do that? And just see who God brings to you. And then listen. Don't say anything. I'm not learning anything when I'm talking. But when I'm listening, I'm learning. And as I listen to a person, I'm hearing their needs so I can love them. That's a challenge. I learned this look from our music director. It's a, he's a wonderful brother. I love him. Jesus Christ is the risen king. Obey him. Jesus Christ is the risen servant. Serve people and God. Jesus Christ, Luke tells us, is the risen man. Jesus Christ, in his risen humanity, came back with a resurrected and glorified body that'll be just like the resurrected and glorified bodies we'll have. <laughs> so hope. Hope. I know that death is difficult. I've stood in cemeteries in Nassau since I've been your pastor, and I've stood in countless cemeteries in the United States and Canada before I was your pastor. I know that the cemetery is hard, but take hope. In his humanity, Jesus Christ lived after death, and you will live after death. Your loved ones who went on ahead of you to heaven, trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they have hope, seen hope. We'll see them again. Don't grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Don't fear death. Have hope. Have hope in your terminal illness. Have hope in your uncertain diagnosis. Have hope as your peers die, as your senior saint and all your friends are going to heaven. Have hope. Fourth and last, the resurrected Lord's Day, John on this day has presented Jesus as the risen Savior. The risen Savior who is uniquely qualified to get you forgiveness of sins in heaven one day. Have you gotten in on that? Have you trusted him and only him to be your Savior? You either have or you haven't. I urge you this resurrection Lord's Day 
to transfer your trust to the finished work of this risen Savior, to run to him in faith, saying, I can't be good enough. I can't earn heaven. Religion doesn't cut it. I'm, I'm defeated in my efforts to be right with God. But thank you, Jesus. You died in my place. You shed your blood to pay for my sins. It's all paid for. And I take up on your offered forgiveness with the hand of faith in you, Jesus. Not faith in faith, not faith in this church, not faith in this pastor, not faith in your spouse. Faith in Christ, who he is, why he died, and why the Father raised him from the dead. Trust Christ alone for salvation if you've never done it, because you're not okay in the eyes of heaven if you haven't done it. And the eyes of heaven are the only eyes that count. Trust Christ. Be saved. And what about the believers here today? What about those of us who know Christ by faith? Those of us who believe in Jesus as being crucified, buried, and risen, and coming again? What about us? then our risen Savior is the one who is to take charge of our redeemed lives. He is to be our King. He is to be our Lord. He is to be our Master. He is to be our Boss. You cannot say that Jesus is Lord. You cannot sing that Jesus is Lord and then say no to him. No and Lord don't go together like oil and water. You can't say, he is Lord. No, I won't do that, Jesus. Do you realize what a snarky man that is? I won't do that, Jesus. You can't say, he is Lord, and say, no, I won't pay that money back I stole. It's too embarrassing. You can't say, he is Lord, and you don't know my parents, God. They're unreasonable, and I'm going to rebel against them. Can't say that. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. So I say, yes, Lord, yes. He is Lord. Yes, Lord, yes. That's how it works. Is there an area in your life where you have been saying no to him? Your marriage? Your money? Your work? your entertainment? Is there an area in your life you're saying, you can have me, Lord Jesus. You can rule over me except for this that only I know about. Lord, my wife doesn't even know about it. My pastor doesn't know about it. My kids don't even know about it. This is not for you, Jesus. This is, this is mine. He is Lord. Yes, Lord, yes. King, authority, obey. Servant, serve God and people. Man, ate food, hope. Savior, he forgave, he reinstated, he sent. Confess sin, accept forgiveness, do God's will. In closing, may we pray by singing. We stand with me. Join me in singing a cappella. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord.